So here we go. Last week, we, we said we're going to get into the parables of Jesus that are, that are sometimes on the face of them difficult to unpack and to get to the depth of them. Today, we're, we're getting into the parable of the sower and the seed. Some people call it the parable of the sowers. It's maybe one of the more familiar parables that, that you know next week we'll get into a, a more, definitely an unfamiliar parable maybe that you've never thought about before. But today, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And as I've done with you before, as you hear it, try not to think about what it means and just let it affect you. Let it do something to you. The Word of God is, is largely meant not to necessarily in, in just teach our brain something, but to change us, to do something to us, to, to correct us, rebuke us, encourage us, direct us, teach us all those things. It's meant to do something to us. And as the Holy Spirit works through His Word, it might work on each one of us differently as we hear it. So rather than try to like break it down as you hear it, we'll do that during the sermon, just let hear it. And let the Spirit do to you what He promises to do through His Word. Please stand as we hear this. It's, it's God's Word from Mark chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. This is what Jesus does. Again, Jesus sat down, began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around Him was so large that He got into a boat, sat in it out by the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Then Jesus said to them, this is the explanation to the parable, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. Other seed, like sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown this is the gospel of the Lord. Be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, your word goes out through us today. Your, go, your word has gone out since the beginning of time to your people. So let the words of my mouth, the seed that is sown, let the meditation of our hearts, the ground which receives that fruit, 
let it all be pleasing in your sight and may it bear rich fruit in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to be the good soil. I, I want to be faithful and I want to be fruitful. As, as I live before God, as I follow after Jesus, I want to be full of faith. See, we can talk about our Christian lives in terms of faithfulness and fruitfulness, and I want to be faithful. I want, I want to put, as the hymn says, I am trusting you, Lord Jesus, trusting only thee, trusting thee for full salvation, full and free. I want to be that. I want to be faithful, full of faith. And I want to be full of fruits. I, I want the life that I live for Jesus, both inwardly and outwardly, I want it to be fruitful. I, I want to be, I'd be lying if I didn't say so, I want to be fruitful as a pastor. Most of all, as I think about being your pastor along with Pastor Krieger, I, I want you to grow in your faith. On some level, I don't care if you like how things are going or you don't, but what I care about most is, are you growing in your walk with Jesus? Are you more and more becoming full of faith and fruitful in your following of Him? A little bit harder to measure, but I want to be fruitful as your pastor. And I want to be fruitful with you in, in, in reaching people. I want more and more butts to be in the pew souls, but, but even if the, but, the pews aren't fuller of butts, I want more and more souls to be in heaven. Whether or not our church is full of people, I want heaven to be full of people. I want to be fruitful with you as, as a congregation whose goal is to share the gospel of Jesus, to connect people to him and to our community. I want to be fruitful as a dad and as a husband. Ruth and I have a saying with our kids that our, our goal as parents is not, we tell our kids our, our job is to make your life miserable. That's because we're mean. But, but more than that, our goal is we want to hug our kids into heaven. So even if our kids don't go to college or have a successful life, I want my kids to know Jesus so that I hug them when I get there or when they get there. And Ruth and I want to walk hand in hand toward heaven together. If Ruth and I, if we get to the end of our lives and one of us lost our faith, then our marriage, even if it lasts 80 years, will have been a failure. I want to be fruitful in my marriage and in my family. I want to be fruitful in my life with my neighbors. I want my life with the people in my life, anybody that I bump into, anybody I bump shoulders with, I want my life to be one of love and, and gentleness and patience. I want people to look at me. I want to be fruitful in this way. I want people to look at me and say, this guy must follow Jesus. And, and I want my inside to be that way too. I don't want to just put on a front on Sunday morning that I'm full of joy. <laughs> I want the inside to be full of joy too. I want the fruit of the Spirit, the, the love and the joy and the peace that only the Spirit can work up in me. I, I want that. I want to be faithful and fruitful, don't you? I, I think we all do. I, I think at the end of the day, when you read this parable, we all, here's the first feeling, we all want to be faithful and fruitful. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. We, we want to be fruitful 
in, in our mission work, right? We, we want to share the gospel with people and we want them to hear it and we want them to believe it. We want to be fruitful in our, in our work with our, with our school. We want the children who come into our school to know Jesus, to believe in him. And even if they never walk across the parking lot to our church, we want heaven to be full of them. And we'd love to disciple them beyond the school day and their parents too. We want to be fruitful. We, we want to be fruitful in the way that we love our neighbors. We, we want to be fruitful in the way that we let the light of Jesus shine in every corner of our lives. We, we want to be fruitful in the lives with our families, in the lives with our nuclear family and the family circles that go beyond. And I think, I'd, I think you would agree, wouldn't you, that you want, we want our hearts to be full of the Spirit, to have His peace, to have His joy, to have His control, to, to have His mind. We want the mind of the Spirit in every corner of our being. We want to be faithful and fruitful. Then there's the parables, but. So many things get in the way. You, you share the gospel with people and what, what happens to you? You, you share the truth of God's word with people, and what happens to you? Well, if they're nice, and they're not too strongly opinionated, and they just want to play the American tolerance game, they say, well, that's fine for you, but it's not fine for me, and they just kind of brush what you have to say off their shoulders and carry on with their life. But other times, the response to the sharing of our word, maybe that's one of the reasons we don't share our faith so often, the response to the word is much more aggressive and much more abrupt and much more in your face. It's a hard, cold rejection that doesn't just sever the conversation, but maybe even severs the relationship in an unkind, mean, and hateful way. As followers of Jesus, we want to be faithful and fruitful, but sometimes the ground around us is full of rocks and persecution becomes because of the word. We want to be faithful and fruitful, but there's rocks, persecution. but you can't control that. And then we make our way, and what comes on our hearts, almost like a wave, it's the anxieties of life, the, the desires for other things, the deceitfulness of wealth. You're, you're sitting there minding your own business, and then the doctor says, but what about this spot on your lung? Or, or you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay the bills, and then... You lose a job. Or maybe it's not even that big. Of, maybe it's not like a job or your life. It's not a terminal thing. Maybe it's just, I'm worried about my kids getting home at night after they were out with their friends. I'm worried about getting home driving in Milwaukee. It's, it's all the, the anxieties of life that sit on us like an elephant sitting on our chest that you maybe don't even understand where it comes from. And it makes you unable to hear the Word of God. It makes you unable to listen to the Word of God. You, you try to read it because you know the Word gives peace, but it's just on you. It's the thorns trying to choke your faith. But you can't control that. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but as you live your life in this world, as we live our lives in this world, it's, if you imagine it this way, it's like living in a shopping mall. And wherever you go, there's a store display 
telling you you need this to be happy. Whether it's the billboard or the Facebook pop-up or the ad or, or the radio commercial or the video or the pop-up on Peacock as you're watching your favorite shows, Peacock's a streaming service like Netflix. I probably should have said Netflix instead. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, there's these things, these ads in the, in, the, in the world's mall that are simply enticing you like a lure in front of a fish that are deceiving you to think you need this to be happy and to have peace. We live in this world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things is constantly right before us, choking out the word. But you can't control that. In fact, when it comes right down to it, what in your life can you actually control? As you sit here and listen to church, how many of you are in and out of consciousness with the sermon? Could be because I'm not a great preacher or could be just because the devil is trying to steal the word that's being cast. We sit down and read the Bible, but how many of you read a chapter of the Bible and then said, what did I just read? Not because you couldn't understand it, but because you weren't really paying attention. Or, or you, you read a passage that, be still and know that I am God, and your heart is still like a mountain falling into the sea. Or you share your faith confident that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, and then you get smacked in the face because of it, either physically or just metaphorically. We want to be the good soil, yes? We, we want to be the good soil, but so often we're in thorny ground or rocky ground and things are drying up our faith or choking our faith or the devil is like a crow trying to pluck the word from our hearts. We want to be good soil, but so often we're not. And you can't control that. But maybe we're looking at this parable all wrong. In, in fact, I dare say I've been misleading you this whole time. On purpose, of course. Because this parable is not so much about the soils. Though there's, there's important things for us to think about when it comes to the soils and how we can be hearers of the word, Jesus is going to get into that in the coming parables. In fact, this first parable is the biggest and broadest, and you, it might be wise for us to look at all of these parables as a unit where the first one lays everything out and then the other three, three kind of narrow down the focus. The first parable is about the sower sowing the seed. That's how it starts. The farmer goes out to sow his seed. And what does he do? It's, it's kind of reckless, don't you think? He's got the sling of seed hanging over his shoulder, and he's walking out everywhere he goes. He just grabs a handful and he throws it. You know, it's not like one of these big old tractors with all the rows of, of tines. I don't even know what the words are. I should have looked this up. But they're just dropping seeds into neat little rows. 
They've got their GPS tuned so all the rows are perfectly aligned. They just drop them right where they want to go. Not this sower. He's reaching into his bag and he's throwing it. He doesn't care. He's, you could call him reckless. One of our hymns does. He sows his reckless seed. He sows the word. And some of it falls on the path. Well, that's crazy. Why would he do that? He sows his reckless seed on the, on the path. It's the word. And the devil comes, the, the birds come and steal the, the seed just as soon as it's sown. He throws some of it. It just happens to fall. He's reckless, remember? Saul's on the, falls on the rocky soil, the, the soil where persecution against the word is happening, and, and the persecution dries up the faith. Some of it falls in the, the thorny soil. Why would you sow it there? Why would you sow seed among the weeds? Shouldn't you put weed kill down first? I don't know, I'm not a gardener, maybe that's not a good idea either. But he sows it there, and, and the faith is choked out by the worries of life and the persecution. And then some of it, oh, it just happens to fall in the good soil, and it's a multiple, multiplied harvest. Here's what I want you to know. The life is in the seed. It's not about the soils, it's about the seed. Because the life is in the seed. Let me make it, maybe try to make it plain this way. Let's just say the ground is as good as ever. You just laid down a nice layer of fertilizer and and compost. It's the best soil ever. It's really good soil. It's ready for fruit. But if there is no seed, there will be no fruits. The life is in the seed. And let's just say there's a, there's a patch of fresh, new, hard, it's, there's no cracks in it yet, concretes. But let's just happen to say a, a seed falls there. Have you seen it happen? The seed has life in it. And it bursts through the concrete. Because life is in the seed. It's not about the soil, whether it's concrete, whether it's rocky or, or thorny or weedy or good. It's not about the soil, it's about the seed. Church history shows us that this is so. If you've been reading through the book of Acts with us this summer, we've been, re- we've been reading Luke, then now we're in Acts, and we're going to get to Romans. I want you to notice two things about the church. Persecution and hardship. It's the story of the early Christian church, and yet two themes keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up in the book of Acts. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church was fruitful even though the ground was rocky. Two, when the church was persecuted, they rejoiced. They, they, they celebrated, they were full of joy because the Lord counted them worthy of suffering for his name. And the ground was rocky. You're getting the point? The, the, the life, life for us, fruitfulness for us is not in the soil, what kind of people we are, what kind of condition our heart is in. The life is in the seed. See, the word... The word will give us joy, will give you joy, even in the most difficult circumstances. Why do you think Paul was able to write the letter of joy, Philippians, when he was in jail? 
when he was suffering unjustly and wrongly, he could have become bitter and angry and upset and sad and all the motions emotions. But instead, he's saying to the Philippians with full joy in his own heart, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. (laughs) Because the farmer went out to sow his seed, and the life is in the and the seed, God's word, gave him joy. And the word will wash, it will wash your worries away. Why do you think the scriptures can speak so often and say to us, worry about nothing, rejoice in everything, cast all your cares in the Lord? Because the scriptures present to us, God's word present to us a God who we don't have to worry because our God worries. He doesn't really worry the way that we worry. When I say God worries, I say that God cares and he's concerned. He concerns himself with your life. He's concerned about your comings and your goings. He watches over your comings and goings forevermore. He's the the God who watches over the city while it's being built. He's the God who builds the building even while we sleep. If this is the kind of God we have, why do we worry? the, the, The scriptures present to us a God who counts the hairs of our head, who clothes the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, who opens his hands and satisfies that is your desires, the desires of every living thing. The, the Word of God, it, it sets our hearts on Him. Why do you think we need to keep doing this <laughs> every single week? Why do you think we continue to encourage you to be in the Word every single day? Because as I mentioned before, we're living in this mall of enticements and and lures and distractions and deceptions all around us, and they will lure us in. You've seen it happen to yourself. You felt it. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. And what do we need? We need the word to cut down the idols, the things that, that we started to love and desire more than God himself, the things we need God to destroy the things, that God's word to destroy the things that we begin to trust more than God so that we fear, love, and trust in our God above all things. The word will do that in you. And since we've been talking about outreach a little bit lately, the Word can bring the person who you never would expect to believe to faith. I understand why we do it, but I also think that we shouldn't. In our minds, we look at people and say, that person might be able to believe, but this one can't. We kind of put people into categories where maybe this one, but probably not that one. Like, this one's way too hard for God to convert, but this one maybe, so I'll take my chances with this one, but not with that one. We put people into categories. But, but didn't God convert Paul? Didn't God, Spirit, take a persecutor of the church? A violent man, the one who started all the persecutions against the Christians, didn't God take him and make him a Christian who was fruitful a hundred times over? And did not God send Ezekiel, here's a little bit more obscure example, did not God send Ezekiel into a valley of dry bones 
and ask him if they could live? And did not those dry bones begin to live so that flesh came on those, so that the bones came together into skeletons and the skeletons were covered with sinews and bones and, te- and tendons and skin and, and then life? If God can do that to them, what can God do through the word for the people whom you love and know, even the most hardened? Even fruit trees grow in concrete. See, the life is in the seed. Life for you, dear people of God, fruitfulness for you is not to be found in you, but is only to be found in the Word of God, the Word made flesh who died on the cross, the Word made visible in water and wine, the word made oral, A-U-R-A-L, ear for your ears. The word for your eyes. Read it. Hear it. Learn it. Chew on it. Because the life is in the seed. A farmer went out to go his seed, went out sowing seed. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen? Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. Amen.